right. Black Box Radio, we have Dr. Harris today. Say hi to the people. Hello. How are you? We're, we're doing pretty good, these people. So we just, uh, welcome to the Ronan Report first. Let's Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. And we kind of just want to hear what you do professionally. So we kind of unpack how this virus has affected that. Mm-hmm. So I am the managing director of K-12 education policy for the Center for American Progress. And as we know, the pandemic has caused a massive shift for um, students in grades K through 12, of course, college students as well. Frankly, anybody who was going to a school. Yes. <laughs> um, unless they were at their home school. And I will say homeschoolers are also heavily impacted because most of them don't stay in the house every day. They're mm-hmm. using community, their classrooms. So, yeah, every student um, has been at, impacted. And, you know, the best plans laid, we had research agenda, policy agenda that was focused on the November election, the first 100 days of potentially a new administration and had to pivot and do some response work around how to make sure everyday people are getting the resources they need to continue education for their children and for educators to be supported through this process. Hmm. So a lot of, a lot of changes. So were you, was your office in the um, know when they were developing the curricular or whatever they were going to do um, per like um, distance, distance learning and that type of thing, like online learning? Did you so guys I work with that. I work for my organization is a think tank, and oh, we do tank. yes na- national and state level policy work. Got it. So we were not, you know, l- l- let me say it this way: we get consulted on all kinds of things mm-hmm. um, based on our research and our engagement with Congress. But in terms of any particular school district's planning, that wouldn't be something we were engaged in. If anything, people will contact us about some of the research or publications we've made on issues that they're facing. So you are more of the advocacy side. Absolutely. Got it. When it comes to think tank. Got it. Got it. So um, from our last interview, we just found out that all Merlin schools. Yes. Prince George County. No, it says all all of them. All all of the whole state. Yeah. The whole state is now out for 2019, 2020 academic year. As of today. Wow. Mm. So you're actually an educator now because you you have some children, don't you? Listen, I'm an educator every day. When they came out the womb, I was teaching them about Black girl magic and how beautiful they are. So um, this is nothing new to me. I ran a school for 10 years. Um, you know, we're all managing in a situation where we have to really reflect on what our ancestors uh, planted a seed for and let that grow. We have relied so much on other people to teach our children. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are struggling because they're trying to follow a checklist that other people have set forth on what their children should know and um, not taking a step back to teach their children grandma's recipe or um, walk outside and look at all of the birds that are um, flying around and, and feeling more free now that there isn't as much congestion and people outside, you know, take mm-hmm. them to walk down by a creek and learn about um, rock formation and any of those other things. So there are lots of things that people know that we take for granted. Even somebody with very little education can teach their children how to put their elbow in some mac and cheese or something or some oxtails. Um, the elbow. 
Yeah. Mac and cheese. I love it. Yes. And the oxtails. You got you got to put your toe in the oxtail. You got to put your toe in the oxtail too. The pinky toe, as a matter of fact. So what a baby toe. I love it. But yeah, you know, it's fine for me. I love watching my kids um, learn. We already had a policy that during the week they didn't use screens. Mm. So um, it's interesting. No one's here asking to watch television all the time because it's usually something they would do on the weekend. The youngest is now being exposed at a higher rate to screens because she does not have a cell phone. Um, so she's making the adjustment to having more interaction on screens with people and the social aspects of using her, her tablet that she uses to zoom into classrooms. Well, how old is she without a cell phone? I would like to hear that. She is 10. She'll be 11 in exactly one month. And I'm a, I, I wish this... Could have been the case for the older two, um, but they were using public transportation. I am a believer in the wait until eighth movement, which is developmentally middle schoolers are crazy people. And they're just not ready for that kind of social media engagement without some supervision of their parents. So even for my 17 and 15 year old, um, I have a lot of restrictions on what they can access on their phones. Um, You know, they're not downgraded to G level content, but things like how long they can use it, I still have control over. So the Wi-Fi shuts down, their phone server shuts down at a particular time. Um, and for the youngest, she has just a few hours during the day every day that the that her tablet will work. So, you know, cell phone, and it's interesting with this with the tablet, we see how clearly she does not need a cell phone. She can FaceTime um, within restrictions. We can control who, which contacts are allowed to go through on FaceTime and she can do her schoolwork. But I don't know 10 year olds who drive a taxi and need to have a cell phone to make sure they get anywhere when they're at school. They should go to the office, you know, as an as an educator. I've seen uh, young people use their cell phone, call their cousin, boost their mama up because it's not an adult that's reporting in on something that happened at school. And that ended up causing way more controversy. So if you're in a schoolhouse, you don't need a cell phone if there's an emergency. There are adults there to assist you. And if I'm driving my child to school, um, she doesn't need a cell phone. I get it. So you're saying to the eighth grade? To the eighth grade. And, you know, a lot of things that parents allow for their children to do, they say, well, all the other kids have them. And, you know, the old saying, if somebody else was jumping off a bridge, would you jump off too? (laughs) And so I think people have really allowed. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they have um, given away their authority with their kids under that rationale, because Mm -hmm. I would rather them be annoyed with me and use a computer lab at school and be sneaky with the computer lab as opposed to some man trying to groom them or interact with them inappropriately online because I didn't, you know, I've given them a cell phone and access for people to start texting and, and, you know, you're thinking that they're in a silly YouTube channel about a, a little boy getting new toys. And as it turns out in the comments, there's some creep in there. So, you know, Yeah, there's just not a reason. I I don't feel that. And here's the thing for my children. I've never handed them cell phones to occupy themselves when Mm -hmm. they were little. Got it. 
So for me, it wasn't like an extension of, well, they play with my phone. They know how to press, you know, Nick Jr. Nope. The the phone is for adults. <laughs> you cannot play with my phone. It's not your yeah, toy. There is. Most people don't have that. This technology yeah. has, is barrelless. Yes, so correct. That, that's adults don't even know how to have a healthy relationship with the technology. Exactly. So young 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 children don't stand a chance. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know when it comes to the increases we're seeing in suicide among adolescent youth, a lot of it has to do with the pressure from being online and. You know, instead of just your school trying to find acceptance, you're trying to get acceptance from the whole planet with, yes. you know, <laughs> your, your Instagram videos and are your lips popping and, you know, things that they shouldn't be pushed into doing at that age. Absolutely. Eyebrows. Yes. Eyebrows. Oh, please stop in those eyelashes. Oh, yes. Can't yes. take it. <laughs> But um, let me ask you a question from an education standpoint. What do you think about the distance learning? Do you think that um, it's it's because you have a daughter, I'm sure, that's doing it or your Mm -hmm. children have a few. What do you think that is the programs um, complete? Are they confused? Are they being served correctly? What do you think about? So fortunately, my kids go to school, a school that... um, already incorporated ideas. And the primary idea that they incorporated was students as leaders of their learning. Mm. So the distance learning they're experiencing is an extension of that. When they have small groups, they're small grouping with kids that they would small group with in their classrooms. They're not, you know, waiting for a teacher to tell them what to do. When they, you know, when they do the activities that they're being provided, they're not being asked to sit in front of screens all day. The oldest the older two um, definitely are having regular classes, but they're abbreviated. So they're not online with teachers who are stressed out just like they are. And we're all under stress. But mm-hmm. um, and so fortunately, we've been they are privileged enough to go to a school that this has really been seamless. Um, that's not true for many, many children. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there are. So many educators who did not have preparation on how to use technology to enhance their classroom, that this is really a huge leap. Um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but we do need to do distance learning because there's no reason or there's no way I should say my children are going back into a school without an identified vaccine or an approved protocol for treatment for people who do get the virus. Or actual testing, so we know the clusters and know who has it. Hey, Let's try that. Uh, yeah, the testing is great, but you could be tested and there's no vaccine and no protocol, <laughs> and you know mm-hmm. that defeats the purpose. So yeah. it, it, if we get testing, we can't send people back without a vaccine or monoclonal clonal testing. You're having, you're developing a treatment at the same time. You know, like a treatment. Yeah. And you're selling medicines to control, like for sure. You don't yeah. have a vaccine for HIV, but you do have medicines, and now people are living with it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the, and the contact tracing could eliminate a whole lot of that would help us so much. Yeah, contact. a whole lot of people even um, contracting it. So that's absolutely true. I still would not be comfortable with that being the limit of what allows me to send my kid back into school because this virus is going to spike again, and um, it has the potential to mutate. So well, we're talking about the new mutation, as yeah. to, I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you you should be, and I think parents have to 
bear this brunt because we have very reckless leaders. Yeah. And they will send our children and people into hell. That's what I'm seeing now. So you you cannot let them open schools whenever they feel like. That's correct. Yeah, it has to be the parent because if we wait on Captain Crunch and his boy and the Kellogg crew. Oh my goodness. It's it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> it's definitely gonna be a problem. So I totally said that when people say, Well, if school's open, would you send your kid? That's the parent. The parent should step in and say, No, I'm not sending no, my I mean, there are so many things that need to happen before we go back to school. Uh, you know, my organization to to work. Everything. Everything. It's yeah. all interconnected because mm-hmm. how do people go back to work? Where do their, where, where does their four year old go? Yes. If, you know, if the daycare centers aren't open or it, mm-hmm. it just, it, we can't do one without the other. And we really need to make sure we are providing a pathway for schools to be what they should have been before they close. Uh, I was about to say we had a, a webinar from an organization today. One of the panelists, Dr. Perry, you know, he said that we, um, A, can't go back to what we were, but if we could find laptops in a matter of two weeks for all of these children, why didn't they have them before? That's the Massachusetts guy, right, who, ans- who an- opened that school, Dr. Perry? Is that him? No, uh, Andre Perry, he's, he's at the Brookings Institution. Oh, that's someone else. Yeah, okay. a researcher. Oh, but wow. it's it's true. If it, why didn't we have why didn't we give these to kids before when they were in buildings that are either too cold or too hot to go to school? Well, it wasn't important to us. It didn't impact our own children. Yeah, we're a reactive society, mm-hmm. and, and we don't want children to have equity. Let's be that's clear. right. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, these are all see the the apparatus of white supremacy affects everything. Everything. White people. If white people only understood, let's get some interest convergence. If white people only understood how bad they have it at Mm -hmm. the hands of white supremacy, they would be less inclined to protect their privilege. Ooh, go ahead, Sister Harris, because that's it. Oh, I can go off on some critical race theory, but I digress. (laughs) But but you're right. They don't even understand the Mm -hmm. apparatus of white supremacy. And And that's how it's built. Yeah, and how it's it's held them back. That's right. Not only has it affected the African, even white folks That's are right. affected by white supremacy. That's and right. we see it now. Trumpy mm-hmm. <laughs> is an effect. It's crazy. Trump. I mean, it's crazy, but it's the it's truth. Crazy. It's the truth. And when you have people who, um, you know, I heard someone say, which I entirely agree with, people know that he's a liar. People know that he's adult. The problem is when they put their name behind him, they cannot go back on what they've said because they're trying to get their white supremacist goals advanced. Mm. So I'm not going to acknowledge to you, I, you know, all the all the television crews, they go and get the the the, uh, you know, poor person, you know, mm-hmm. sounds like they're from the deep South or whatever the case may be to say crazy things and support Donald Trump. But the fact of the matter is the people more than them had to vote for him, for him to get into office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people will not admit he is a problem. You have judges and all these other folk on Fox News who say whatever he tells them to say because they would rather advance their goals in white supremacy and protect what they have than um, be good citizens and make sure everyone has the opportunity to realize self-determination. I don't understand that, Gene, where 
it's always me and never anyone else. Mm-hmm. That is a unfortunate. It's 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 bigger than it's bigger than selfish. People say, "Oh, they're just selfish." No, it's it's diabolic. Absolutely. It's malicious. It has all of these kinds. It has nothing to do with just selfish. It's more than selfish. Whereas mm-hmm. only you're supposed to go for it, and everyone else either serve you or they stay in the space that they're in. That's a That's problem. Right. That's right. And, and and you do it to any, even to hurt yourself. You make you advance that narrative. That's a scary place to be. And um, that's where we are. So getting back to you, Sister Khalila, because we can talk about Trumpy and his folks and politics <laughs> forever. Yeah. It's not even worth it at this point. So, and what I do want to ask you though, since you're um, advocacy, what do you think about this response per se? Mm-hmm. Um, you come from a legal background. What do you think about it? So, you know, what we've seen is that governors have had to step up to leadership. The only Mm -hmm. challenge with that is that some governors um, didn't get past the third grade and don't understand science um, (laughs) or they are so capitalist that they promote profits over people Mm -hmm. um, and are willing to risk people's lives because they're taking the lead from the White House. Then -hmm. you have other governors who um, are playing zero games. You know, I live in Maryland and Governor Hogan his policies, I do not agree with. I think he's been an atrocious governor, particularly when it comes to education. This time, but he's he is a strong leader. Yep, your policies may be one thing, but his leadership is quite strong. Um, and I can acknowledge that's been true throughout his administration. I just don't agree with his policies. I agree. Um, but he's willing to protect his constituents. It's not about the party, it is about his people. And well, so, I like Hogan in that sense, but yeah, I know me that too. he's immune compromised too. You know, sometimes you have to hurt, save your your stuff and save everybody, everybody else too. I'm not saying he's right. not a strong leader because he definitely is that. I do not like his policies, so I emulate what you said, but definitely I know that he's immune <laughs> compromised and he needs to protect himself too. Absolutely. Absolutely. He could have a, yes. yeah, he could come out of remission. We don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And he's so, being tough, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the federal response has been lacking. I actually don't give Congress the benefit over um, the White House because the response has been um, inadequate, to say the mm-hmm. least. We yes. need a strong response so we can move then to stabilization once we get the um, pandemic under control because we're going to have to move into uh, from stabilization, we're going to have to move into the rec- recovery phase. And we know the 2008 recovery was um, not good for people. At least half of the states when it comes to education never returned to pre-recession yep. funding. So we have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. It was brutal. So, the, And this is a recession. Really, uh, and you know, the world is connected. All the all the monies of the world, the world banks. So That's we, right. Not only the re- recession in the Americas, the world is going to have recession in the economy. Absolutely. So it's going to be sluggish for a lot of things. So we, re- But it's also going to be a lot of opportunity to try to make the economy go forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to look at it both ways, you know, but I think the biggest time right now is the reset. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, pe- people, unfortunately, in a state of disruption, you get new technology. That's how the industrial revolution began. Um, And whenever there's a massive uh, disruption, Mm -hmm. we see innovation and you know, our people innovate. 
Um, the pain comes in the in-between between what was and what will be. And there will be all kinds of new industry. I know there are hairdressers who are making color kits that they're selling to their clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are people who would normally do their business in bricks and mortar who are figuring out ways how to get people what they need and what they like uh, virtually and through, through delivery. So, you know, some things may stick in that, uh, that shape, that shape, you know, if mm-hmm. I can get something through delivery, I'm going to do that part. And I may come to you for more refined service, or I may come to you to use what you, your expertise differently. Mm-hmm. Creativity has, is, is the new normal right now. That's right. Innovate, innovate, <laughs> and then um, applicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's where we are. Correct, correct. And, and, and it's really where I see it in every, even if you, just what we're doing to create this runner report, it is um, d- definitely something because uh, it's an effect of what we're going through. We can't go in studio. So we had to start mm-hmm. something that was relevant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have to be creative as this part. And virtually, if you're not virtual, huh, you got some problems. That's right. I mean, you have personal trainers online. You have um, therapists doing teletherapy, all of those things. Yep. Everything has evolved. Lawyering online. The Supreme Court is happening online. Online. So, you know, everybody, even the old dudes is hanging online. Go on. Okay. So we're at the part of the interview where we have, we call it the last will and testament. And that's the part where you leave your jewel. You know, you leave something with the people that last. It's like a good, it's like a, a worded hug. Okay. And so leave a jewel for the people. All right. We have been through so much, Africans in America, have been through so much, um, Africans across the diaspora hmm. have had to um, reinvent, recreate, innovate in the face of all kinds of, of challenge and um, oppression. Nothing has changed about that. We will rise above and we need to use this opportunity to really center ourselves in black liberation and understand that the white man's water is not wetter um, and that we should be allied with other people of color, particularly indigenous people who experience uh, massive genocide, that we should come together and reclaim um, the land that they preserve for us in terms of indigenous folk and the land that and, and the structures that we built in terms of descendants of enslaved people. So it's important for us to remember from whence we came um, and we'll get through this. You know, there are so many people who this pandemic is no different than the day before the pandemic because they already were um, under the thumb of systemic oppression. And we need to do a better job of not turning around and, and saying we got ours and make sure that the whole community is advancing together. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. G. Dr. Harris, thank you so much for all of your brilliant insights and your perspective during this time. We really appreciate you sharing that with the community. My pleasure. I'd love to come back. All right. Well, if you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have, you can find more voices in the Rona Report at blackboxradio.com. That's B L A K B O X X R A D I O.com. You can also find Black Box Radio on Facebook and Instagram at Black Box Radio and find us on Twitter at Box Black. That's B-O-X-X-B-L-A-K. 
All right. Sister Harris, we thank you so much for your genius. Thank you. Really appreciate it. But you got to come in studio. You know, this is just a little 10, 15 minutes. I look forward to it. (laughs) Not a bill because you got some stuff in you. I'm ready for it. All right. I like the sound of that. All right, so this is Black Box Radio. We're in a Rona report. It is five six twenty. We had sister. Uh, we had Doctor Harris, and we're out. Peace.